0: We all need a little extra health booth sometimes and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder green machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production.
1: And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code FORTHEGIRLS at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code FORTHEGIRLS for 20% off your first order. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. It is surreal that we are doing our very first season recap, and it's crazy that the season is over. We'll be getting into our overall season thoughts, our MVPs and LVPs, different season stats, whether we think the regulations lived up to the hype. And of course, we'll be going through all the superlatives and things you guys submitted. We cannot wait to discuss those. We have some amazing answers. So thank you all for filling that out. So we'll just jump right
0: into it. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. Okay, so let's go into our overall season thoughts. I think we could probably spend hours and hours talking about this. And I think what's been really cool is as we've done our whole season, we've all kind of like developed our own arcs and thoughts about what we thought. But I'm going to be fully serious, you guys. I'm not joking. This was a very symbolic season for me as an F1 fan, and it really did like teach me a lot about myself and my relationship with the sport. So <laughs> for, her, no, for
1: sure, we all started this podcast. That's like a huge change in like, terms of fandom.
0: Yeah, and also it just made me evaluate who I am as a person in a lot of different ways. But first of all- Ferrari broke your heart that badly. <laughs> First of all, as a technical fan, like obviously we were all super excited. The new car setups were amazing and it was so fun to just like jump into that. The porpoising snafu like added a whole other layer. It was really fun to learn about that and talk about that. And then because I always go for an underdog, as you all know, I was so excited that Mercedes was looking really bad at the beginning of the season and Ferrari was coming back hot. But then it was like, this massive arc that followed through the season and that all declined. Like Ferrari had all their strategy issues. And then we started to see like spurts of greatness from Mercedes and from George like towards the end. Of course, Max still ended up winning and Red Bull dominated, but it was really fun for me to experience all of that. And I will say at the end of the season, Tiggy, I have been reborn as a Mercedes fan. I think. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Or maybe Can we just-, we just
2: making it are you are you saying this definitively you're a Mercedes fan now?
0: Like I'm honestly so into it. Yeah, I think so. Can we just take
1: this moment? I want a moment of silence because all of the flack I have taken this I know. season. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: and here we are. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I just I'm, I'm having all these emotions. I need to process more, but I'm really into it. <laughs> and also, this was a huge year for F1 as a franchise, and it's been so cool to have the podcast alongside of this. like The Vegas news and all of these sellout races across the U.S., it's just been really cool timing for us.
2: Totally agree with all of the above, and I just want to go through some personal highlights and lowlights for the season. Like Chessa said, I loved – the start of this season, Red Bull and Ferrari were very much battling it out and there were huge reliability problems on both sides. Remember, Red Bull had a double DNF at Bahrain and they were still having mechanical retirements as late as Canada in June. So many teams were struggling with reliability, which was frustrating, but also brought so much drama in when it was very unclear whether top teams would even finish the race and Charles having such A massive lead after australia that was just really i feel like we forget how exciting it was at the start because maybe it was less so at the end but i loved the start mon uh checo winning in monaco Chessa winning in monaco yeah you wish (laughs) checo winning in monaco was huge and then i think silverstone and brazil were also just season highlights for all of us silverstone we had the ferrari team order debacle brazil we had absolutely everything a k-meg pole, mercedes <laughs> win huge teammate infighting and just great midfield battling which we really saw throughout the season we'll get into kind of our thoughts on the new regs but that was really exciting and then some other drives i loved lando's podium in imola was Amazing. And Belgium was a kind of famous max drive where he started P14 and then won the race by 19 seconds. Absolutely insane. Also, like Chessa said, I loved seeing such massive hype in the US, in Miami, and in Austin. I think this was a really huge breakthrough year. And I think it's only going to get bigger from here for um, F1 in the US. I think lowlights – Ferrari's absolute implosion I am not a Ferrari fan per se like I like them but they're not kind of my ride or die team but it was just so sad to see hard to watch and also just sad that it took away so much yeah of the excitement of the season just massive strategy blunders in Monaco in the rain Carlos calling his own strategy pit stop <laughs> disaster for Charles that was kind of symbolic on multiple levels and then some big driver blunders from Carlos. And then, famously, Charles, a big spin at Imola. And then the scream in France the in screen. July. The, the scream. <laughs> the <laughs> the I haunting scream. Long live the Taylor Swift remix of the scream. <laughs> but I think that scream just that was when he knew it was over in July. And I think the season really was over after July for in terms of the titles. <laughs> and then. Other low lights, the FIA safety blunder in Japan with leaving the trailer on the yeah. tractor on track under a safety car in the rain. And then Danny just generally. Speaking.
1: <laughs> I wish we had done best meme of the season in our superlatives thing because that Taylor Swift Charles mashup would definitely have been my pick.
0: We'll put, we should do that on our Instagram. That'll be hilarious. Yeah. So for me, while
1: I, I echo a lot of what Chessa and Sarah said, I feel like this was not the most exciting season for non-Red Bull fans because, you know, there was excitement at the season, as, as Sarah mentioned, and we got to see this arc from Red Bull that was just turned into absolute dominance, but not that exciting for the rest of us. But it did mean a lot to me, given we started the podcast this year and learned so much more about the sport, like thinking about all the deep dives and stuff we did and all the behind the scenes details like we probably wouldn't have learned about otherwise. So that definitely made the season a lot more fun on a personal note. It was really great to see F1 racing at tracks they haven't been to in years due to COVID, like Japan and Singapore. I think we kind of forget that we have just emerged out of this crazy pandemic because all these events are kind of happening as usual. But this is the first time we've seen a couple of these tracks in, in many years. So that was really great. It feels like, you know, the sport is fully back. I think... Red Bull and Max deserve a massive congrats for their dominance for sure. But I do believe that if Ferrari had had better strategy and, you know, operations and Mercedes hadn't had the dreaded W13, (laughs) the season probably could have been much more exciting till the end. And maybe that's something to look forward to hopefully for next year. Definitely. And I think the fact that Lando was the only non-top-three constructor podium this season is insane. Wow. That's such a great stat. That is just, it spells out so much of this season. And on the other hand, every single driver scored a point, which is awesome. So we had sort of that dichotomy of (laughs) extremes. (laughs) Um, So on that note, yeah, we're super excited to talk about our thoughts on the regulations this year there were a lot more overtakes. Um, there were about 600 in 2021 and 785 in 2022 over that same 22 race span, according to Pirelli, which is over a 30% increase. So I think we saw a lot better wheel to wheel action, yeah. midfield battles, even if it didn't show in the results, like the the racing was probably a bit more exciting. Um and then, yeah, just a few things wrapping up. Like, lots of things came to a head off track this season, too. I think the FIA had to reckon with this exploding fandom growth, navigating cost cap breach p- procedures, resolving crazy contract disputes, <laughs> as we'll talk about, and like dealing with fan harassment sort of yeah. just all across the map. They've had to reckon with a lot of different things. So, I'm excited to see if next year. They have things like buttoned up a little bit more, like procedures down, all that
0: stuff. But I feel like the FIA is constantly on a growing trajectory and they always need to learn from their mistakes and keep growing. <laughs> yes. And then lastly, for me personally,
1: I did not get to celebrate many victories for Mercedes, but it was nice to test my loyalty and know that I I, you know, I'll support them through the good and the bad since this was really the first real test of bad in a long time. So I have not been reborn as a Mercedes fan, maybe like Chessa, but I have, you know. You're such, you're a model fan.
0: We all look up to you, Tiggy. Way to go. (laughs) So let's talk about some season stats. Four wins. This is just unbelievable. I don't even want to read it. Max had 15 wins. And then Charles had three. Checo had two. George had one. And Carlos had one. So basically Max won all the time. The fact that Max and Checo were in the same car and Max had 15 wins (laughs) and Checo had two I mean yeah, like first I have thoughts. <laughs> like Max had literally five times as many as Charles and Charles had the second most wins. For,
2: podium, and for arguably for part of the season had just as good if
0: not better of a car for Oh, the it's unbelievable. Years. It's unbelievable. For podiums, Max had 17, Charles had 11 and Checo had 11, Lewis and Carlos both had 9, George had 8 and then we had that lone Lando podium as well. <laughs> for poles, we had Charles with nine poles and Max with seven. So that says a lot about – Mr. Saturday. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Carlos had three. And then K, Mag, Checo, and George each had one pole as well. Four fastest laps. Max had five. George had four. I'm sensing a lot of George happening here, and we're going to talk about this more, but I'm loving it. So Max had five. George had four. Charles had three. Checo had three. Lewis Lando, and Carlos each had two. And then Joe had one, which is great. And then – we did most DNFs too. Um, every driver actually had at least one DNF. So with six DNFs, we have Alonso, Bottas, Carlos, and Joe. With Whoa. five, we have Albon, Latifi, K-Mag, and Yuki. So for all of our – almost
2: a third of the season. That's insane. <laughs> for That's
0: all wild. of our poo-pooing of Latifi, he actually didn't have the most DNFs. <laughs> with-, <laughs> with three DNFs, we have Gasly, Charles, Checo, Danny, Stroll, and Vettel. With two, we have Lewis, Lando, Ocon, Mick, and Max. And then with one, just George. Legend. Wow. <laughs> this is so – I'm just – this is like f- foreshadowing for next season, I think. <laughs>
2: So, jumping into the 2022 regulations, we talked a lot about this throughout the season, especially at the beginning of the season. And just to recap a little, a big goal for the FIA this year was to create closer wheel to wheel racing. And the new regulations try to do that by switching to a ground effect car. So, it generates downforce from how the air passes over the floor of the car underneath the car, instead of primarily generating downforce from the front and back wings. And the idea is that this reduces dirty air and these regs will be in place until 2026. So teams can change a bit, but the general car and engine concepts will stay the same until then. There's an engine freeze except for reliability fixes. So that was really interesting as well, because a lot of teams very clearly prioritized getting as much power in the engine as possible and figuring out that they can fix reliability better. So going into next year, it'll be interesting to see if that really paid off for some teams. And dirty air, generally speaking, dirty air reduces the downforce of the following car. So that makes it much harder to follow closely. So reducing dirty air is supposed to lead to more overtaking, better racing. Another big goal of the regs was to mix up the hierarchy a bit, give teams a challenge and allow some teams to kind of come out on top when maybe their last car concept wasn't a winner. So do we think the regs lived up to the hype?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Overall, I
1: think, yeah. I mean, like we, like I said before with the overtakes, like we definitely saw a lot more throughout the season. I think a big problem in the past was sort of DRS drive by overtaking. So cars would primarily only be able to pass on straights with DRS and then would be able to hang on to the position. And the car that got passed wouldn't be able to fight back that much. But – this season we saw a lot of passbacks and maybe that's contributing to the overall um, overtakes number, but I think that's a fair thing to include in that totally. stat. For sure.
0: It's like, like the fun part to watch.
1: Yeah. Cars would get past, you know, one corner, then they would be able to try and switch back to gain the place back at the next corner. We saw a lot of that in the final couple of races, like cars would be wheel to wheel and racing for several laps. And there were some amazing tight battles and, Also, I think we can say that the regs switched up the order at the top, at least with Mercedes struggling, Red Bull dominating, Ferrari having potentially a chance (laughs) and then seeing that float away. Um, But yeah, I think overtaking, at least we can say that the regulations helped. But it did introduce some other things like porpoising.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, but I don't know if this is like statistically You know, backed up. But I feel like at the beginning, we did see a lot more of like the DRS drive-bys, DRS train issues. And then at the end of the season is when we really got like peak wheel-to-wheel action. Probably nothing to do with the regulations and just like a random thing. But I definitely think it was really fun. And I think they did a good job with these. But yeah, like you said, purposing and bouncing was the biggest narrative at the start of the season. Like even people that didn't know about F1. We're like, oh, we've heard about this thing called porpoising. Like it was all over the place. So basically what happened was the new ground effect cars caused the porpoising for a lot of teams. It's the sudden loss and then regaining of downforce under the floor of the car. That's basically like a forceful snapping or bouncing of the car on the straights and then going into the corners. So Mercedes was definitely the highest profile example of this. They looked really bad at the beginning. They lobbied for some regulation changes to the amount of oscillation allowed for flexibility, etc., cetera, more towards the middle of the season. And this was just a huge thing at the beginning of the season because a lot of the drivers were saying it was really uncomfortable and hurting their safety. And then, so there were some minor regulation changes. Thankfully, the teams, Mercedes in particular, figured out how to get a better handle on it, um, just oftentimes by just increasing the ride height of the car so they're not so close to the ground. And it became much less of an issue, but that was definitely like, the narrative that, you know, like every time you're going to have changes and regulation changes, like you're going to have to test the cars and things are going to happen. So, this was the biggest thing. And it definitely, I think it was interesting to see the FIA trying to work through all of this mid season and working with like the oscillation rules and all of that and then implementing them right away. It was cool to see that as sort of like a real life example.
1: Yeah, Chessa. now that you're a Mercedes fan, you need to watch uh, Lewis and George's like season recap that I think they filmed in Abu Dhabi. And they were just going through all these pictures of the season. And it's it's funny, like Lewis doesn't remember so many of the pictures, but he's like the one picture I remember is the picture of me getting out of my car and holding my back because it hurts so badly. That's insane.
2: Yeah. Another big talking point this year was the cost cap. This was the first year of the cost cap actually being enforced. It started being in over the past few years, but this was the first year of actual enforcement. So teams could spend $140 million on car development and the car itself with a few million extra added mid-season due to inflation, which was when we had uh, some of the team principals sounding like finance bros talking <laughs> about inflation all the time. <laughs> And the general idea was to make it more competitive for teams further down the grid who don't have unlimited budget. So Cough Cough, not Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. But tons of categories are still excluded from the cost cap. So driver salaries and the salaries of the three highest paid team members, marketing. So that could be still hundreds of millions of more do- dollars. But the idea is at least that it's limiting the car development budget. As we all know, Red Bull went a few million over, which caused huge, huge drama. They were fined 7 million and got a 10% reduction in wind tunnel time. So definitely watch out for that kind of in the off season and going into next year will be really interesting to see how it will impact them because also as the winner of constructors, they get the least wind tunnel testing time out of everyone to start with. And then that's further going to get reduced by 10%. So stay tuned for that.
1: Crazy. So into our season, MVPs and Ooh. LVPs. Woo-hoo. Um, I think I'm going to say George really shone for me this season. Like, was he the best driver on the track, like, in terms of results? No, but this is a little sneak peek of the superlatives results, but I definitely agree that he won most improved. Like, to go from a Williams into the Mercedes car next to a seven-time world champion and, like, Hold your own and oftentimes like outperform that driver, like that's pretty impressive. And I think he did it with a lot of composure. And so I think he was definitely up there as one of them for me. In terms of LVPs, I'm going to say the W13. And I'm also going to have to sadly say Danny. I just, uh, I'm I'm sad he's not going to be on the grid next year, but it just huge disappointment across the board in terms of performance. And Lando really outdrove him. In the same car, and just not a great season for him.
2: For me, for MVPs, again, unsurprising to no one, the Red Bull machine, but I think <laughs> definitely certain people in particular. So, Max making it look easy to do things like driving from P14 to P1 and winning by 20 seconds. I yeah. think he really established himself as a generational talent and I think moved past kind of the asterisk of the championship last year into establishing himself as a just full world champion who I think will be remembered as kind of the best driver of this generation. Christian, he is, I think, the longest serving team principal on the grid. And you can really see why and why Red Bull stuck with him even through years of underperformance because he fought through that and was waiting for this for so long. Adrian Newey, the CTO, Hannah Schmitz, the chief strategist, just all amazing performances from them. Notable not shout-out to Checo. I think he he was hugely improved over last year, but I think he kind of disappointed as a number two driver in his gap to max throughout the season. My other MVP is just the Piastri debacle. That was <laughs>
1: – Throwback to that special episode. That was so fun. That was one. It was
2: so fun. We recorded like an emergency 6 a.m. episode to talk about <laughs> it, which we are also recording this episode at <laughs> – <laughs> Before seven AM, but um, that was just so funny. Just quick recap: Piastri was an Alpine reserve driver. Alonso led Alpine to believe he would resign for next year, and then last minute, in an apparent huge blindside to Otmar and everyone, maybe without even telling them, Alonso releases a press release saying he's going austin Martin. So, cue immediate chaos. Alpine starts really scrambling, puts out a release that Piastri is driving for them next year. Then, famously, Piastri tweets, I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong and I've not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine (laughs) next year. So cue rumors that McLaren has signed him, but the problem was in July, McLaren had promised Danny that he still had his seat, at least to the extent that Danny felt comfortable putting out a statement that – he was still driving for McLaren next year. Danny just definitively said, I'm keeping my seat for next year. So maybe he still had a contract. I don't know if McLaren gave him reassurances or he just thought that. But anyway, they signed Piastri behind Danny's back. It ended up going to a contract board and McLaren won. So McLaren gets Piastri. But The drama was next level.
1: (laughs) And also mini MVP shout out to Albon's announcement that he was staying with Williams. He (laughs) mimicked the Piastri tweet, but in the affirmative.
0: (laughs) I think the real MVP here was that this was all happening while I was deep in jury duty and I was like so detached from the world. (laughs) Sarah, what what about your LVPs for the season?
2: Just quickly, I think Ferrari, an obvious one, Mercedes, and then Also McLaren really under delivering overall, and it can't be put on Danny. I think Lando drove amazingly, but really just the team and the car they gave the drivers was so bad after years of promising the drivers that they'll be able to compete at the top and having this multi-year development plan and just really falling back. So I think... On the same level of Bonotto, I think kind of Seidel and Zach Brown should have been in that conversation for getting replaced because that was just really underwhelming. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And another
1: reason, like their football team-sized army of reserve drivers and like not knowing who's going to have a contract and stuff, I feel like they didn't navigate that very well. So kind of a yeah, totally.
0: I think everyone needs like some lessons in um, business etiquette and how to deal with that. The contract stuff was very messy. And the existence of a contract generally. Yeah. (laughs) You can teach them about the law. You can charge them a For me, I think my MVP is going to go to a driver that does incredible heads down races, is not causing drama, is just doing his thing and doing really well, and then eventually getting rewarded for it. So I'm going to give it to Russell. I think he's my new guy. I'm super excited to see what he does next season. and. I think a lot of people also agreed with this, given the um, the superlatives. And then my LVP is going to go to a driver that I used to really like, but the pettiness is just too much for me, and it's Alonso. I just don't yes, like one. how he's operating with relation to his team, with what he did, like blindsiding Otmar, and then also just dealing with other drivers. Like I just think he's sassy and shouldn't really be sassy i just don't think there's a place for it so he's out for me Agreed. his comments about lewis in particular were I was so out of say. line
1: just totally out of pocket totally unfair and uncalled for and just like why
2: like i wonder you so because lewis just yesterday or or this yesterday i think posted a dump that had a selfie. i saw in that in
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i thought it was like oh cheeky here are like the former world champions selfie on the grid but yeah
0: yeah i think you're right <laughs> i mean like arguably hamilton had a worse season than alonso and he did and hamilton was nothing but graceful so because like, he would he blueprint. wouldn't be anything but that like yeah. that's just who he is Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Takova's your number one place for festival style this spring, and don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tecovas. They have a first-wear comfort, which basically means there's no break-in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal personalized and with regular live music and events there's really no in-store experience like it if you can't make it to a store though just visit Tacovas.com, t-e-c-o-v-a-s.com they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and they ship right to your door go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that we've been loving hormone harmony from happy mammoth who's committed to making women's lives easier Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today.
1: Let's get into some quick headlines. So the biggest one, which was announced yesterday, is that Benotto is, quote, resigning Um, They said that he'll be resigning. (laughs) I have thoughts on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You don't
0: work somewhere for like more than 15 years or more than 20 years and just resign.
1: No. Yeah. So no announcement, official announcement yet, although there are rumors as to who might replace him or where Bonotto might be going, if anywhere. But yeah, just around the framing of that saying he resigned versus being asked to leave due to their poor performance. I mean, I guess at higher levels, they always kind of frame it that way, unless there's a scandal. But very curious what went down behind the scenes. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's like 100% fair to pin it all on like Bonotto, but the buck stops with him. So I think it makes sense. But the biggest question is who's going to replace him? If the rumors are true, it could be Alpha Romeo's Fred Vassar, which if that happens, I'm I'm here for that and I'm not here for that. Like, I'm here for that since if you've read Toto's New Yorker profile, which you all should if you have not, he and Fred are apparently really close friends, like the closest friends in the sport. So a little Mercedes Ferrari friendship slash rivalry would be so fun. But also I'd be curious about that choice. Like, I don't know. It's not like Alfa Romeo is getting shiny awards for like their strategy or trackside ops or anything like that. So who knows? But maybe he has what it takes if that's where it's going.
0: There are also some big moves happening in the Aston Martin sphere. As we all know, it's just Daddy Stroll's world, and we're all living in it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Lauren Stroll has huge ambitions for the team um, that he does not stop talking about, which is great. We love an ambitious man, I guess. Um, But back in the spring... I guess. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Always qualified. Uh, Back in the spring of last year, he outlined a five-year plan, central to which was this massive new state-of-the-art factory At their old Silverstone location, which would be almost 40,000 square feet. So huge. Last week, they gave access to some media outlets to visit it. And it's insane. Stroll had like a very cheeky comment saying that he wanted the factory to be, quote, the reverse of what Ron Dennis did with the McLaren factory. So instead of focusing on just aesthetics, actually prioritizing function, which (laughs) just, yeah. Um, So they're going to build their 2024 car in this factory. Um, And we'll have to see how much Alonso actually participates in testing this one based on comments from (laughs) Akon and how he did (laughs) this year at Alpine. But they're going to have the most modern, state-of-the-art wind tunnel in all of F1 with this new factory. So I think Lawrence is just trying to just propel this team. Obviously, the signing of Alonso has a lot to do with that as well. And interestingly, Alonso made some comments this week that – when he does eventually stop driving, he'll have over 20 years of experience and will, quote, obviously be, could be very useful for any team. And that team, I hope, is Aston Martin just to continue whatever we do in the next few years. So I think there's a lot of stuff brewing in the background about you, like bringing on the best of the best and having all this great funding for the team. So I'm interested to see how, how they do next year with Alonso, but then after that with their, with their newer car.
1: When he says that, like – does he mean useful for every any team as like a driver, or do you think he's hinting at like post-driver career? Post-driver,
0: like yeah. I don't know if he'll he'll be a principal, but I think he would be very involved. Interesting.
2: I'm so fascinated by this Aston Martin situation, and I just think it's going to end in flames of a Lawrence <laughs> and Lance Stroll versus Alonso feud.
0: Ooh, I, I'm yeah. so here for that. Alonso
1: just, does not take second driver status
2: (laughs) totally he okan seems pretty nice and easy to get along with and they just turn it turn into a bloodbath feud by the end of the season and on top of the fact that his lance's dad is the owner and controller of the team which adds a whole different dynamic to it we'll see what happens crazy
1: so let's get into our superlatives this survey was too fun i had the best time going through all of your answers thank you for filling this out shout out to lucy harker in discord for the idea to even talk about superlatives in the first place so we wanted to get a pulse check on how you guys felt about the season do some fun categories we will discuss All your results we literally got hundreds of responses so thank you guys for your thoughts and some of your hilarious write-ins which we will also shout out um but yeah we'll talk through the results and we'll give our thoughts as well um so to start off with a bang best overall driver We have Max Verstappen coming in hot with 49%, then Charles with 18%, Lewis with 12%. Shout out to whoever voted for Lewis this year because he was definitely not the best overall driver, but I guess if you took it as in history, (laughs) maybe.
0: What do you guys think? I mean, I think, yeah, (laughs) Matt... Yeah, Max is the best driver, objectively. Like, it's I hate saying it, but it's true, so this makes sense.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't get over half the vote. 49% is a tantalizing number.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm actually surprised he got that much, given how disliked I feel like he is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I feel like people objectively agree that he is the most dominant, you know? Like, even if you don't like his style, it's hard to argue against that.
2: True. I would actually kind of put in a a hot take – is that if this is it might be too hot, but I actually think potentially George would deserve to be on this list more than Charles.
0: Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Ah,
1: that that is a hot take. I don't think George has earned that quite yet. I think George needs to like. I think I feel like what Charles does in quali is unbeatable, and like True. yeah, he like, makes is insane. during the races and stuff, but he is just like banging out fastest lap after fastest lap. So I feel like I'm here for that, but I. I think George needs another year to prove himself.
2: Well, speaking of, for most improved driver, George won with 43%. Then Ooh-hoo. Lando and Carlos both got 12% each. And then Ocon got 6%. That is an interesting mix.
0: Yeah. Here for Ocon. Ocon. Yeah, I'm like obviously Russell is the best, and most improved, but that little six percent for Elcon, way to go for for least improved driver. This is just oh, so this funny. Is brutal. Can we guess who got the least improved driver? It was I sh-
1: Latifi. I should have just taken him <laughs> off the list. I feel bad. Sixty four percent.
0: And then sadly, Danny Danny Rick with twelve percent. Poor guy. Woof.
1: Most likely to be a future world champion. This was a fun one. So, Charles clocks in at 59%, then George with 30%, then Lando with 8%. Here for all of those.
0: I feel like George is more likely than Charles. We should switch those. Same. That's my hot take
2: here. I think George was just so impressive this season. And I think as soon as Mercedes has a car that can deliver, George is going to be up there on the level with max and charles just fighting for wins and i think given ferrari's problems and charles some of his unforced errors i think george could get there before charles does
1: yeah i feel like it's going to depend on the george hamilton dynamic like if lewis comes back with a vengeance next year and is like really trying to fight for the eighth championship i think george might have a tougher time but because because charles is really i mean carlos is a great driver but he's competing against Carlos, which is not the same as competing against Lewis in his like prime state. So could be interesting, but I agree. George is definitely, definitely going to be hopefully in contention.
2: That's so true. And that kind of gets into 2023 predictions, but I'm, I'll be so curious about the Mercedes teammate rivalry once they're competing at the top again, because they were super friendly and cordial this year, but that's kind of easy to do when it's like, Oh, we're in P3 and P4 or or, (laughs) we're in P6 and P7. It's, I think they're they would I think kind of fight to the death if there was a championship on the line so that'll be interesting
1: totally for best overall team this is unsurprising Red Bull 61% then Mercedes 27% then Ferrari 6% which if you had told us that at the beginning of the season we would not have believed it because Ferrari was just looking so strong but 6% that 6% is
2: number is so, so sad. small <laughs> Oh, my God. At one point, Charles was 60 points ahead in the driver's yeah. championship, <laughs> nice. and they got 6% of the vote here. It That's seems like amazing. years ago.
0: All right, let's do some fun ones. Best social media team, it's going to go to McLaren at 39%, and then Mercedes at 17 and Aston Martin at 14%. They do have some good social media people on their team.
2: I actually totally agree with that ranking. Yeah, Same it's great. for best livery. McLaren wins with 29%. Then Ferrari with 25%. Aston Martin with 17%. Basically, McLaren's winning on the fun ones, not the actual driving <laughs>
1: What <laughs> do you? Who, what's your guys' favorite livery? I'm curious.
0: I think the Aston Martin is really sexy. Nice. I don't love the green,
2: actually. This is a good question. I think I would probably also go with McLaren. I like the way they did a lot of their sponsorships, too. The colors were fun.
1: Yeah, I'd go f- with Ferrari. So we each have our, <laughs> our top three represented here. Um, best track for racing. So this one was truly all over the map, uh, no pun intended, but it looks like Brazil takes the cake yeah. this year. And I think part of that is probably just the amazing drama and racing we saw at this last race. But Interlagos takes the cake.
0: Okay. Best track for vibes. Of course, Monaco and Monza won on this one, but I think next year, I wonder what people will say about Vegas. I'm very curious. (laughs) This next one is so funny. I'm going to make you guys read this, but best season radio. (laughs) I've
1: pressed it 50 bleeping times and it's not opening. (laughs) And guess who? (laughs) Max. And then just press one time.
0: <laughs> this was Very max cool. crying about his drs button not working so
1: we got a lot of votes for that one okay who wants to read the next one
0: <laughs> for carlos so
2: to set the scene devries engineer says devries on no, out behind you carlos
0: goes what debris
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the devries debris mix-up was hilarious
0: yeah it's so funny
1: a lot of people also liked the stop inventing radio from carlos a
2: little sassy clap back it was at Silverstone right they asked him to help <laughs>
0: Charles and he was like stop inventing things <laughs> so funny and
1: then, and then of course
0: <laughs> yeah we had to go with Charles's blood-curdling scream that was just Chessa. you gotta you gotta do it for us yeah I would literally break <laughs> my microphone here <laughs> okay best press conference moment people said it was Max pressing up against the glass barrier with Danny in Japan which was really funny and then also Lewis asking Alex if he's blonde everywhere in Abu Dhabi.
2: Max <laughs> <laughs> made – I don't know if everyone saw this, but Max later in the season made that photo of him switched against the glass, his ID photo. So when he scans <laughs> in to get into the paddock, it pops up as a little photo.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Oh, good. Best celebrity GP attendee. So a lot of different answers for this one as well. But I think Shaq and Bad Bunny got the most shout-outs. Michelle Obama in Miami got a of bunch course. and then Brad Pitt got a lot of shout outs but more from like a negative point of view given <laughs> his, his snub of Martin Brundle <laughs> and his behavior at the Grand Prix so that was pretty funny
2: I have become a huge Bad Bunny fan this year so my favorite kind of celebrity drive driver a little promo thing was the yeah. Bad Bunny and Checo driving to
0: Miami oh, together amazing <laughs> Okay. Best merch drop. We have to give this. Danny doesn't win all of the driving ones, but he's going to win this one. The DR3 Enchante, that got the most shout outs. It's super cool. We also got some shout outs for the Lewis and Murakami drop. And then people did appreciate the spinoffs of Botus's butt pick. In all of <laughs> beautiful that merch feels that like follow.
1: years ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Best Lewis outfit. So a lot of people, most of the comments, honestly, were quote, "all of them." so shout out Lewis. <laughs> but people did love the all-purple outfit for Seb's final dinner and then the all-pink outfit in Miami. So people are loving the monochrome uh, pink and purple vibes.
2: And then for best dress, excluding Louis, which had to be its own category because Louis's fashion (laughs) operates in a league of his own, we had Joe with 34%, Gasly with 22%, and then Danny and George with 14% each. I definitely agree with Joe running away with this one.
0: Yeah, all of his Prada fits just takes the cake.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that Pierre got second, and I'm also surprised about Danny and George. I guess I don't know who else I would put up there. Not Max, Definitely not, not Max. <laughs> yeah.
2: And not the Ferrari drivers. They always just wear the polos no. and kind of weird pants.
1: <laughs> Carlos denim. <laughs> yeah.
2: For most likely to be an athlete outside F1, we have Carlos 23%, Botas 20%, and Danny 13%. Why Rapid is Carlos fire?
1: The what, here? Sports? what sports? What sports? Golf. Oh, that's fair. Botas, and Danny cycling. Does, like –
0: a bunch of things. I think he does like motor like he has a little motorcycle and I
1: Danny just... equestrian. <laughs> Football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo
2: Bills quarterback. Let's yes. go. Okay, this I is a great Botas. One. I'm I would definitely throw my hat in for Botas. It seems like he's he actually yeah. actually does bike races. Seems like he's very legit. Agreed. Very nice.
0: Most likely to be a politician after racing, Vettel got this one at thirty three percent, which I think is perfect. And then we have both Mercedes guys, Lewis with twenty three and George at eighteen. I don't <laughs> really know what what George's platform would be. Um, but oh, okay, but I so see that he's just like,
1: I don't know. That's what people say about him, like negatively. a robot. Though people yeah. could just he's like feed a him. PR blank slate. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I don't agree with Vettel, actually. I think Vettel is like a great champion of causes, but I don't think he would want to be a politician. Like, I don't think he has that. that he would bone. be too like
0: off the cuff. His, his speech writers would be stressed.
1: <laughs> Most likely to star in a reality TV show. Okay. This one was obvious. Daniel Ricardo, 54%. He basically and then, has his own already. Yeah. Then Gasly came in hot a second with
0: 15%. Interesting. Interesting. Most likely to be Valley Victorian, <laughs> Russell at thirty-two <laughs> percent, and then Vettel at twenty-three. Just <laughs> stand up, guys. Stand up, guys. For most likely
2: to actually be a good DJ, I was shocked by this one. This is my. This is, I think, the hottest take. Lando Norris got sixty-two percent of the vote. That is then crazy. Danny Rick with ten percent, and then Lewis lost with only eight percent. And he's That's- a true
0: musician.
1: Yeah. Also, have you seen all the pictures of Lewis with these incredible artists recently? Like, yeah. I feel like he's really cooking up some beats. <laughs> There's a collab coming. I feel like coming. Lando
2: is just, who knows? Maybe he's a meeting DJ. But I feel like Lando is just such a meme all season of, oh, <laughs> guy becomes a random DJ. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Okay, best bromance. Yuki and Pierre at 53%. People loved that one. Lando and Danny at 32. And then Charles and Carlos only got 12 I think they were slacking their content towards the end of the season. That
1: Mm -hmm. feels right. Especially on track. There are little arguments towards the end, like (laughs) (laughs) trouble in paradise. (laughs) Okay. So for some write-ins, we had some great ones. So best team mascot. How could we forget that category? Roscoe. Thank you, Roxanna RPR. We appreciate that one. Best brofos, which is a great term. Alonso and Ocon. That also feels right. Uh, Shout out to- is Is that like a frenemy 11
2: yeah definitely I love that term we need to use that next season
1: (laughs) most likely to start a fight Alonso. shout out to Sakuki also very right (laughs) best non-team bromance I love this one uh Seb and Mick shout out to Aguera AG yes best team principal Toto shout out to Aaron Iwalski Best Dressed Wag, Carmen. Love that. The Mia-stagram.
2: Laura, are you sure you didn't write this one in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, maybe it was me and Tiggy that wrote this one in. Yeah, we (laughs) We do love her
1: style. Most Improved Team, Mercedes. Shout out to Elena Frat. Best Character Development, Yuki. Shout out to Valerie Maria. Least likely to be called back for checkered flag duty, Tim Cook. Yes, Carrie. <laughs> oh, that was
2: so
0: good. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: So good. And then this was my favorite comment, maybe of all the write-ins. But shout out to Diana at Diana who wrote in, "R.I.P. Chestappen, fly high," <laughs> 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 about Max and Checo's dwindling bromance. But Chestappen might be my favorite name mashup.
0: <laughs> wow. That's
1: it's so good. It
0: kind of looks like my name, like Chessa Chestab. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Fly high, Kings.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> for next, we wanted to get into some of our favorite radios of the week. Out of all the ones we posted, we love doing radios of the week. and it's it's so fun. It's one of our favorites. So for gold, ooh, or should we start with bronze? Should we go in reverse order. Let's go reverse order. Love that. Okay. For bronze, I picked ones that I thought were kind of representative of themes of the season. So for bronze, I did. Who would have thought when we woke up, we were going to win the race. I was max on driving from P10 to P1 (laughs) in Hungary. Yeah. Representative. For me, bronze is a tie
1: going to no comms, please. I'm busy from Orlando (laughs) or I need some tissues from George. Love both of those.
0: Mine's gonna be like the first one that we did with um Hamilton being like, is there even a point for that? Yeah, that's definitely my silver. <laughs> that's so good. That was a good one. Was that our first? That might have been our first was, the first yeah.
2: one. Is there even a
1: point for that position?
2: <laughs> okay, so that was my silver, Sarah. My silver, uh also some Mercedes shout-outs. I think I have a tie between I can't believe how much you guys beeped me. Lewis on the Dutch Grand Prix pit stop strategy, but I think also representative of Mercedes performance, generally. And <laughs> then Toto at Imola, when Toto got on the radio, which Toto doesn't very rarely gets on the radio, and Toto just goes, Lewis, hi. Sorry for you You've needed to drive. I know this is undrivable.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. For me, my silver is gonna be when Alonso was like, this guy only knows how to drive and start first about Lewis. Ugh. Real sassy. Downvote,
1: downvote, horrible. It was wild. <laughs> um, so for gold, drum roll, please. I think my favorite was Checo's, this is how we do it, man. We shut our mouths and work hard. This is the Mexican way from Singapore. I just think that was a beautiful moment, beautiful
2: radio. That was a great one. For mine, continuing with the theme here of representative radios, <laughs> mine was just, I have no words. We cannot do that. which was Charles in Monaco after Ferrari's pit stop strategy cost him the win, and his Monaco kind of curse continued.
0: I'm going to go with the same one that Tiggy did. That one literally brought tears to my eyes.
1: (laughs) Okay, so it's time now for 2023 season predictions and hot takes. Sarah, what do you have?
2: I think we're going to have Mercedes versus Red Bull for the title and Ferrari in third. I think – Mercedes, their comeback towards the end of the year was amazing. I think they have just been grinding all year to try to figure this out. So I think they are going to come back guns blazing. I think Ferrari with a leadership shakeup at the top, I said this I think last episode, but I actually don't know if that's going to help them. I think it might just kind of create more instability. Would love to be wrong about that, but we'll see. We already said this, or I already said this, but I think. Russell looking like more of a future World Drivers' Championship than Charles next year, but I do think it will also be hard for Lewis to get that eighth title next year. I think as soon as Mercedes has a top-performing car, Russell is going to be so hungry, and I think that teammate relationship might devolve. I could definitely see that happening next year. I am also expecting teammate drama at McLaren and Alpine. I think Interesting. Austria seems like a really strong driver. And I think Lando for the first time in years is going to have to really fight for that number one spot. It's not just going to be a given. He's been used to just kind of cruising ahead of Danny Rick. I could see that getting spicy. Also for Alpine, historically, Ocon and Gasly have not gotten along. (laughs) They (laughs) said they have a bit of a truce to get to work together, but see how that goes. And then In terms of the schedule, there's 24 races, and I'm kind of expecting that to be too much. I don't know if it'll be a bit of a reckoning with F1's expansion, but I think 24 races is getting to be a bit too much to ask for from all the teams and personnel. And then finally, I'm excited for Vegas. I think that's just going to be a spectacle. I can't comment on how good the actual racing (laughs) will be, but I think that will be – a huge talking point in the U.S. I can imagine that being one of those moments where kind of everyone in the U.S. is talking about F1, even if they have no idea what it is. Here for that.
1: I'm excited for Vegas from afar. (laughs) But yes, I'm so excited to see it unfold.
0: It's insane. Okay, mine is really, really hot, and it goes against everything I believe in. But I think there's going to be issues at Red Bull, and Checo is going to be, his seat is perilous. And I think Danny might be a serious contender for it. Spicy. I definitely think you're right about Checo's seat being
1: uncertain after 2024 when his contract expires. But I personally don't think Danny is going to be in the one, the one in contention for it. Like, it's a cynical view, but I really think Red Bull is viewing Danny as a moneymaker for next season, given his profile, his celebrity status, and not necessarily as a serious contender for the second seat. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I feel like Danny not being on the track and like being able to bounce back from this season weekend after weekend is going to be hard for him. But anyway, my season predictions and hot takes, I think – Mercedes will be back in championship contention, at least for constructors. I think Ferrari will have a better season than this year, but I think their issues, similar to what Sarah said, will still plague them. So their results won't be much better. Sadly, I think Checo is going to have to prove that he can stand on his own as a great driver rather than sort of a forgettable number two. And I'm predicting an underdog will have a serious glow up I think my money's on Lando while I agree that he's gonna have to fight for that number one seat against Piastri I think he's I think he's gonna shine and I think he's gonna put his head down and do it but yeah sadly I think Max is still gonna dominate next year but I'm hoping for a bit more competition so we'll
2: see oh, I'm already so excited what if all of us are totally wrong and that like, Carlos is world drivers champion <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I'm here for that <laughs> that would be great
0: Well, guys, this has been an epic season recap. These predictions, I kind of hope that they happen, but I also kind of don't hope they happen. So we'll have to (laughs) see. But thank you, everyone, for participating in our season recap for everyone that wrote in. It was really, really fun. And stay tuned. We're going to be dropping a bunch of new episodes in the coming weeks. And there'll be a lot of fun off-season content for all of you.